Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Okay, um, true confession time. Yeah, I know, I heard somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Okay. If you don't want to show hands, at least admit it to yourself. Who's a type A personality? (laughs) I see some, okay. I see somebody who's not raising their hand that probably should be. You know, the the, the get-it-done kind of folks, you know, that, you know. You know, now most of, I, I, it's funny. I think that probably there are a lot of us in the middle that are not like pure type A personalities. That would be type A in everything. Now, I can be type A in some things, um, the golf course, you know, any kind of sporting thing, yeah, type A. But other things I've learned over the course of time to be a little more patient. Don't, don't look at me, Sally, okay? But here's the thing. There are times when all of us have that moment when we want to bend the world to our will, right? I mean, we're all, we, we all do that from time to time, and I don't want to say we're guilty of it because it's not necessarily a bad thing. We have a dream. We have an outcome. We have something that we want to accomplish, and, we, and, it, and it, it's meaningful. It's valuable to us. It's one of those core things, and, and we'll move heaven and earth to achieve that. You know, the brass ring, to be the one to break the tape or touch the wall at the end of a race. That's, that is a, a noble thing. And, and if you look at the history of humanity, a lot of amazing things have been accomplished by people who have the ability to do that. We plumb the depths of space, either with uh, manned exploration uh, to the moon and who knows one day beyond that. The Hubble telescope that allows us to see the farthest reaches of the universe. People who understand how to plumb the depths of the ocean and everything in between. Where would we be without people who couldn't be that intentional, that on purpose about their life and about their dreams. Here's the thing. While that mindset, that choice, that way of seeing the world is great in just about every endeavor that we might undertake, the one place that we can't earn it is in our faith. We can't earn what God offers to us. We can't earn God's love. And the text that Deanna read earlier is a very important story within the gospel narrative and very important in Jesus' teaching. He asks a question. This young man comes to Jesus, and he asks a question. And he was not the first person in the history of uh, humanity or in the history of uh, the covenant people of, of Israel to ask this question. What must I do 
to inherit eternal life? I don't want to say it was a bad question. I don't want to say it was a wrong question. Okay? He comes earnestly to ask Jesus. And there are others who I'm sure were, were listening to this man ask Jesus this question, and they were silently wondering the same thing. Okay? But they just weren't bold enough to ask the question. Do you like that sometimes that somebody else will ask the question that's on your heart and you, for whatever reason, you don't ask the question because you don't want to, but you are really glad when you get the answer? I can imagine. For, for, the, for, the, for you know, the older folk that are here, me, remember the, the, the old commercials, right? When E.F. Hutton speaks, you know, they're in a crowded restaurant and somebody says, well, my broker's E.F. Hutton and E.F. Hutton says, and then all of a sudden everybody's like this. Because they want to hear. They want to hear the answer. What Jesus teaches in this text, he said, well, you know. I mean, he, he takes the man's question at face value. Well, you know what the covenant says, right? You know, you follow the Ten Commandments. You follow all of the laws. You love God. You love your neighbor. And this young man, probably, let's say he's in his early to mid-20s, says, that stuff? Really? That stuff? That's all I've got to do? Oh, I've been doing that since I was a kid. I can almost hear Jesus say, well, if it's that easy, then there's only one more thing that you need to do. Take all your possessions, sell them, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. That's not the answer he was looking for. He went away, and the, the, the Greek is really a little unclear on this, whether he went away sad, whether he went away perplexed, went away frustrated. It, 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 pick one. But what we did know is he didn't go away happy. And why? He had many things. He had many things, many possessions, many riches, much wealth. And it's not that being rich or being wealthy was a bad thing. That's not what Jesus is saying in this text. But what he's encouraging this man to do is ask a better question. Ask a better question, okay? Because there is a better question to be had. So that's where we're going. We're going to figure out what that better question is now, this man was, was raised in this understanding um, of, of wealth and privilege and power and the reign of God, the relationship between those things that is rooted all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? There was this belief, this mindset that people who were rich, people who had power, people who had possessions, people who had privilege, have that privilege because they must have had God's favor. God must be smiling on them, elsewise they wouldn't be rich. Okay. But then the other side got mixed into this, that those who suffered, those who had death in, in their family, those who lost crops, those who lost livestock, those who became physically ill, leprosy or some other thing, well... My goodness, God only punishes the bad people, so they must be really bad. So wealth was good. Poverty, illness was bad. 
And of course, who wants to be bad? You want to be good. And so people, it became this mindset of doing everything they could possibly do to earn God's favor. So within that context, it's really easy to understand why the man would say, what must I do? He wanted to make sure that he was on the right path. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is going to teach him and the disciples and all of those who are listening to this moment to ask a better question. See, we, we can't earn this extravagant love of God that we call grace. And the simple definition of grace is God's unmerited favor. Nothing we can do to earn it. Nothing we can do to grab at it. Not by the sweat of our brow or the, 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 the strength of our back. No, it's a gift, pure and simple. God offers us this grace that is love, it is mercy, it is forgiveness, it is reconciliation, it is God's own very presence, it is healing, it is transformation, it is all of the things that can liberate us from whatever might hold us back, that can free us from anything that might separate us from God or from one another, God seeks to overcome that in our lives. And we see this in what is given to us through Jesus and what Jesus teaches. So the idea of what must I do to earn this, to inherit this, to acquire God's favor, to be worthy of God's favor, there's a better question to ask. A better question might sound something like this. How do I take this gift? What does it look like for me to live this gift in my faith, in my relationships with, with God and one another? How do I live this in such a way that it reflects the gift that I've received but reflects my gratitude for the gift that I've received. What does it look like for me to live in this way, knowing that there's nothing to earn because the, the best gift has already been given? So maybe the flippant way to ask the question is, okay, now what do we do? So the ways that we are willing to live in relationship with God and with one another that reflect this great gift of God's love and mercy and presence? That's the better question. How do we do this? Remember the story from Matthew. It's one of the last parables that Matthew tells, or that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel. When Jesus, when there's the, the, the image of the great ruler that is going to separate people as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he talks to the people um, that are going to be on one side of this equation. And he says, come, come, and, and live into, inherit the gift of the gift of eternity. Because I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was sick, and you visited me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And you can see them scratching their heads saying, well, but we never saw you hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison and took care of you. He says, well, yeah, okay, but... Whenever you do this, whenever you act out of mercy and compassion for the least of these who are members of my family, you do it to me. Do we want to know what it looks like? Do we want to ask and, and find an answer to the better question of how do we live out this grace? How do we live out this gift? It is when we commit ourselves to living mercifully to living out the gift of, God, of Christ's self-giving love to everyone we see. To show hospitality, to show generosity, to show mercy, to make space for people who get pushed aside for whatever reason. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus made a, a seat at the table for the people that were the very least in first century Palestine. The ones that got pushed to the side because they were sick, and therefore they were sinners, which therefore meant that you wanted to keep them as far away from the good people as you could. Jesus welcomed them all and gave them a seat at the table. You want to know what it looks like to live this grace? It looks exactly like that. Who are the people in your world Who are the people in your lives? Who are the people in your school? Who are the people in your community that are the invisible ones, the ignored ones, the forgotten ones, the pushed aside ones? Because they are children of God every bit as much as we are. Last piece. Within this this church in the United Methodist tradition, there is a, a commitment that what we do as a response to the grace of Christ, we do with our whole selves. That members of this church make a commitment to support the ministry of this church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our witness, and our service. Everything that we have, everything that we do, all of our wealth, all of our riches, all of our power, all of our privilege, all of our self we make available as a means of grace to a world that is hungry and hurting. Friends, the better question is not about how we feather our nest. The better question is, is how do we give ourselves in the spirit of the the gifts that God and Christ has given to us? In this Lenten season, as we move our way toward Easter and the celebration of the empty tomb and the life that is made possible because first God loved us, I would invite you to consider all of the ways that you may be able to answer this better question in your world. Amen.